tell. I did, I did, I did, yeah, I did it right well. Welcome to another episode of Husky Talk. We are currently less than 50 days from the start. Our guest today is an Iditarod veteran with 21 finishes. He has eight top 10 finishes with his best finish being runner-up in 2021. He stepped away after the 2022 race and is back this year. Please welcome to the show, Aaron Burmeister. Thank you, guys. Hi, Aaron. to the show. In your Iditarod bio, it says dog mushing has been of way of life for you since you were born. Were the were there specific influence or experience in your early years that fueled your passion for dog mush? Well, absolutely there was. Great question. You know, I was born and raised in Nome at the end of I Did Rod. My both of my parents, my mother and my father, were very involved in helping get the first rated start, first I Did Rod started. And uh, and that was before I was born in 73. So they worked in Nome to help put the race together. Dad spent a lot of time working on the trail and helping coordinate uh, musher housing and and everything in Nome. So they were very involved in the event from the beginning. And I grew up in Nome at the end of the Iditarod and my family had a dog team. So it was just something naturally I fell in love with. And to me, the Iditarod mushers were my heroes as a kid growing up. And when they came into town in March, oftentimes many of them stayed at our home with us. And my dad raced the Iditarod in 1979 and 1982 when I was just a, a little kid. So I grew up around the event running dogs and racing the junior races in Nome. There was a very active racing circuit in Nome. And when I turned 14, of course, I ran the junior Iditarod and did that several times and ran the Iditarod when I turned 18. So it was something that I grew up in love with and uh, an event that uh, I always look forward to. Um, you've completed the Iditarod 21 times. Can you take us through your first experience back in 1994 and what it was like? So as a young man growing up in Nome, Nome is on the west coast of Alaska. So there's no trees for hundreds of miles and it's windblown open country with rolling hills. And it was a wonderful place to grow up, wonderful lifestyle, but that's what I thought it was like everywhere. And when I started traveling and racing outside of Nome, running through trees were a whole different experience. I can remember more about my first Iditarod in 1994 than all my other Iditarods put together, just because that was the first one that left that impression on me. But um, it, was, uh, <clears throat> it was something that I was never overwhelmed and I was 18 years old, but I was traveling with my dogs and your dogs become your best friends after spending year round training them and working with them and everything else. And I took the race one mile at a time. So I was just worried about taking care of myself and my dogs and camping along the trail and, and traveling to Nome. It was very exciting. It, it was something I dreamed of since I was four years old. It was to race the Iditarod. So traveling that trail and being able to meet people throughout the checkpoints, traveling a thousand miles by dog team was something that I can't put into words. It was pretty, pretty incredible. And being able to race it and complete the Iditarod and join the ranks of uh, all the heroes that I grew up looking up to and be able to participate in an event and, and race with them was, was pretty darn amazing. I remember 10 miles from the finish line in Nome, there's a big mountain called Cape Nome. And 
I came over, I crested that mountain right as the sun was starting to come up and the sun was behind me as I was heading west for the finish line. And I stopped and I could still see the lights in Nome 10 miles away. And I brought all my dogs together in a big dog pile and they just circled around me and I was hugging them and I actually had tears in my eyes. I was crying a little bit because it was something that I dreamed of since I was a child and I was about to accomplish that goal. And I was running into Nome on my own home training trails, the trails that I grew up racing on and, and training dogs on. And I only had 10 miles from the finish line and I didn't want the race to end. I was uh, something you dream of your whole life and, and being able to finally accomplish that goal was pretty amazing. And since that race, every single Iditarod that I've completed, I've always stopped on the top of Cape Dome, 10 miles from the finish line and had a little dog pile the dogs give them a snack and give them a little bit of love and uh hug them and uh and then do that final 10 miles to know them and i remember my last i did a ride <clears throat> 2022 i stopped there at the top of the the hill the mountain and i was overlooking gnome as i was coming into the finish and i was taking the five minute breather and taking it all in with the dogs and having my little cry with them and another musher came up on me and uh i think we were racing for seventh and eighth place and he stopped and he put his hook in because he saw my whole dog team in a dog pile around me. And he ran up to me and said, Aaron, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I was just sitting there loving on the dogs and they were licking my face. And I said, everything is just fine. I said, I'm having my little uh, celebration with the dogs before I run to the finish line. And I said, go ahead. He said, you don't want to race me? And I said, no, the time with my dogs is more important than, uh, than racing for one position to the finish line. And so I had my little time with the dogs there and then ran on into the finish line. But that's, that's my way of celebrating that year on the trail, that year of training, all the work it takes to we put into it with the dogs before we actually get to the finish line. And uh, I always look forward to the finish line because my wife and kids and family and friends are all there waiting. But it's it's something that's pretty special. And that's one of my ways of celebrating it on the way to Nome every year. Um, you've come. Oh, is it true you were a uh, wore tennis shoes and run with your dogs at the end? Many times, I carry tennis shoes in my sled, and when we get on the coast or when we get into big hills and areas, I'll take my boots off and I'll put shoes on and I'll run with the dogs. So I think all of us as mushers will will often uh, wear tennis shoes and run with them. And we carry them in our sleds. It's kind of our extra shoes that uh, we use for when we're in checkpoints and stuff to get around. But running with the dogs is something that that we do when we get into the big hills or a, a tough, challenging trail. We're, we're kind of like the 17th dog. We're working hard to help the team out and, and keep the team moving down the trail. Among your 21 Iditarod finishes, which one stands out to you the most? You know, looking back over all my I did ride finishes, the really what stands out, I think, is my rookie year in 1994, accomplishing that lifelong goal. In 2015, one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had in 2015, I finished third that year, but I led the race most of the way to Nome. And that was the year we started in Fairbanks. And it was the very first year that I did ride went to the checkpoint of Huslia. And Huslia is north of Galena, but it's got a very rich dog mushing history. And when I arrived into Huslia, I was the first Iditarod musher in history ever to arrive into Huslia. 
and all the community of Huslia was there. The neighboring villages, the Alakakic came and they watched uh, me come in. And it was it was like winning the Iditarod. It was an incredible experience to be the first musher there and be able to celebrate that with the communities. And one of the most famous dog mushers ever is George Atla. And George Atla was from the community of Huslia. And there was a lot of the Bifelts, a lot of mushing, really rich mushing history that comes from that region. So to me, that was one of the most memorable experiences that I've ever had was being the first musher into Hoosley that year with my dog team and and having a having a good good race as well. Your best finish in the Iditarod was runner up in 2021. Can you share the emotions you experienced when you finished? Um I think uh even though I was second place in the Iditarod that year, my emotions were more disappointment, I think, than anything else because I was so close, but I didn't pull it off. So I was I was happy for myself and the team to be second, but we didn't win. And that year that was our goal, and we were racing hard to to win the Iditarod. And uh so it motivated me more for the future and uh and really got me thinking about the basics and working harder and looking at things to improve so that we can do better the next time. So it was kind of a mixture of enjoyment, but also a disappointment of, of not being able to pull it off. In 2022, you decided to step away from the Iditarod. What led to this decision? Well, my son Hunter is 15 years old now. My daughter Kiana is 11. And when you're committed to racing Iditarod and competing at that elite level, it's a year-round life lifetime project. During the winters, we're training sometimes on the trail with the dogs 12 to 16 hours a day, so we're away from home a lot. And I made a decision to to step back from my dead rod for a while to, to spend time with my family and my kids growing up and be able to go to their sporting events like soccer and basketball and and all the things that they're interested in. So stepping back and to take time off was a decision that I made for myself and, and for the family. Um, coming back this year has been very exciting, but I, but it's a, it was a family decision because my son Hunter's old enough to be on the trail running dogs. And he wanted to experience what I've been doing most of my life and, uh, and be out there on the trail. My daughter, Kiana has been very involved and in helping with packing booties and working with the dogs in the dog yard. And, we decided to do it one more time kind of as a family family project and, and working together. So this year we're doing it um, as a family. The kids are very supportive. My wife has been very supportive and we're busy preparing for one more race. The Iditarod is a physically and mentally demanding race. What are some of the biggest challenges you are, you face out there? You know, I, I'd have to say no challenge that we go out there for is, is insurmountable. I've grown up with the attitude that no matter what you set your mind to, whatever you set your goals to, you're going to accomplish that. You have to stay headstrong. There's times on the trail when you're cold, you're wet, you're miserable, and it may be 40 below and you're damp and, and soaking wet with sweat, but you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of your dogs we have you have sore muscles you're exhausted and tired and um you have to persevere and you have to lift your head up and say hey i'm better than this and i'm going to push through it 
I'm going to accomplish that goal. No matter how, and on the I did ride, you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And those mental lows come along with your physical shape. By going into I did ride in physically good shape, that that helps you prepare you mentally as well. But you have to keep yourself fed. You got to keep yourself hydrated as well as your 16 partners out there with your dogs. So taking care of yourself so you can take care of them, keeping yourself with a good attitude. Because when you walk out the door or when you're out there camping with the dogs, if you're in good spirits and happy, the dogs pick up on it. They're happy and in good spirits too. If you get bummed out and tired, then the dogs will get bummed out and tired. They directly feed off of you. Just like if the two of you are best friends per se, and one of you is having a grumpy day, hopefully you don't make the other one grumpy. The other one needs to help cheer you up. You have to work together. So it's teamwork and we work together out there as a team. But you got to remember to keep your head up no matter how hard that that physically or mentally is demanding and how sore and tired and exhausted you are. You have to reach down deep and get a, another bowl of grit and and just fight through it and and work your way to the top. And I often tell my kids when they're playing sports or basketball or baseball, pain doesn't hurt pain don't hurt and uh you have to grit down and and bear through it and and push harder and uh, that's kind of one of the things that we've always done so there are definitely those times and you second guess things but you have to keep your spirits up and and push through it i'm sure a lot has changed in the iditarod since you started in 1994 can you share some insights on how things have evolved over the years you know the one beauty of racing dogs and Iditarod is it's constantly evolving and the sleds have changed. The, the gear has changed the diet for the dogs and how we feed them. And our education with the dogs has changed. The quality of the booties that we put on their feet has improved. We used to have to put booties on every 30 miles. There was a time when we used electrical tape to wrap booties on, now we have Velcro and we can boot up a whole team of dogs in 15 minutes. It used to take 45 minutes to help protect their feet. Um, the diet that we're feeding the dogs, we're able to give them a lot more calories because we understand how feeding the dogs works better. Runner plastic that we put on our sleds has evolved and it it works for different snow conditions a lot better than it did 40 years ago, 30 years ago. So, so many things have evolved and changed. When I first started racing the Iditarod, the fastest Iditarod was a 10-day race. We've done it now in seven days. So, it's the constant improvement of dog care, of dog fe- the feeding the dogs, our gear, and what we have to carry to take care of ourselves and the dogs has all improved. And uh, so we're still constantly evolving and improving things. And that's one of the things that keeps me going is you're always thinking ahead. How can I better improve this? And now we have high-tech sleds that are made out of carbon fiber and aluminum where we used to have wooden and birch sleds 30, 40 years ago. So things have certainly evolved and continue to evolve every day. Are there any specific advancements that have it? had an impact on your career? My career as a dog musher or as a... As a dog musher. Okay. So I look at dog mushing because I, I manage a large construction company and make a living at at uh, construction companies. So I, 
working construction, building roads, runways, revetment projects on seawalls and, and highways around Alaska. And so that I look at as my career, dog mushing has been a passion and a love of mine and a hobby that uh, that I do, that I work hard in construction so that I can afford to pay for the dogs and, and be able to race the Iditarod. Um, with advancements in, in mushing and myself, I think the biggest, most, uh, one of the things is our bond with the dogs. When you raise the dogs from puppies and you spend the time with them on the trail and you earn their trust, they become your best friends. And you spend thousands of miles in training every year working together with them. That trust only grows. They count on you for their next meal, to rub their sore muscles when they're tired, to put ointment on their feet when they're a little bit sore. And the bond that we share with our dogs, I think, is one of the most important things that carry us down the trail and that allow our relationship to improve because because of the trust that's between you and them. So I think that's one of the most important things. Finally, we have the Iditarod. Iditarod. Finally, we have the Iditarod Fast Five. We have five different Iditarod topics we'd like you to try to answer as fast as you can. Okay. First one is favorite musher. My favorite musher, Herbie Nackpuck. Favorite Iditarod book. Oh wow, there's so many books out there. You know. Oh, there was a group of Iditarod volunteers and mushers that put a book together that covers the history of the race. And that came out about five or six years ago. It's a really thick book. I can't think of the name of it. But do you guys have it there? First 10 years. Yes, the first 10 years. So that's probably my favorite book covering the race because it covers so much of the history and the, the beginning of it. And that's what I recommend to people. Iditarod, the first 10 years. Uh, favorite checkpoint? Takatna. And that's because the Takatna has hot water for us. They spoil us. They feed us. They're wonderful people. My other favorite checkpoint would probably be Uniclete because that's the other, the first checkpoint along the coast. I love all the checkpoints and the people in the communities around them, but Takatna and Uniclete would be certainly my favorite. When I get to Uniclete, I feel like I'm home because I'm, I'm on the coast on my way back to Nome. Favorite volunteer? Oh, I could not pick a favorite volunteer. There's so many thousands of people that volunteer for the event every year. And uh, and so it'd be really hard for me to pick just one. That wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. Favorite former champion? Favorite former champion. You know, there's two champions that that I look up to a lot. One is Rick Swenson who helped evolve our sport and the race in many ways in the early years with improvements to cookers, improvements to dog sleds, improvements. He was always improving something in the sport and somebody that I've looked up to since I was a little kid. He was always one of my biggest heroes back in the seventies and eighties. And so Rick Swenson, the other one would be Lance Mackey because Lance, Dominated our sport and dominated Iditarod for a period of time in the early 2000s and to mid 2000s. That was unbelievable. And uh, the way he recovered from his cancer and came back winning the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest and just about every race he entered was was pretty special. Uh, 
Thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show, Aaron. Good luck in the in the Iditarod. Well, thank you guys very much. And uh, you did a wonderful job. So thank you. Special thanks to our guest, Aaron Burmeister, for being on the show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stop by iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our ratings. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on the show, email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we, if we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. Oh, we would like to also give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the Iditarod Trail song, and our outro song, Reddington's Run. In the land of the midnight sun, mm, they call this race the Iditarod Trail. To me, it's Reddington's Run. In my heart, it's Reddington's Run.